So we're in Revelation 18. The, uh, the cry of judgment against Babylon was first given in the Revelation chapter 14. Babylon is revealed in the scripture as a system that combines false religion and political and economic power. We thought we saw, we saw last time in the Revelation 17, the judgment upon mystery Babylon, which is the false religious system. Let's keep this all in perspective. Sometimes, without plugging some details from Daniel, and without remembering where we've already been, it can get a little confusing, I suppose. The Antichrist begins to build his, his power, consolidate his political power at the beginning of the tribulation. He cannot be revealed. And the Bible is very clear about this. Nobody, as long as the church is in the world, on the face of the earth, the identity of the Antichrist cannot be known. That's very plain in Scripture. Paul writes to the Thessalonians. So we can speculate, and I have seen some really good ones, you know. Um, certain presidents, people have really stretched out. 666 six, six, and they've applied it to this guy and that guy but we simply the simple truth is we cannot know the identity of the Antichrist because we're in the church and it can't be revealed until he who restrains and that which restrains is taken out of the way and within the greater context of Paul's letter it becomes clear that he's speaking of the presence of the Holy Spirit working in the church. Now the Holy Spirit can never disappear. He's God. Uh, but his activity adjusts itself to another time once the church is removed by rapture and resurrection. So here's the point. First three and a half years. All kinds of things happen, but one of the main things that happen is that the Antichrist is revealed as a very personable, magnetic, charming, uh, powerful, persuasive leader. Those characteristics come to us, especially from the book of Daniel. This past weekend, our Bible study group in, up in Tennessee studied the Ezekiel War of chapters 38 and 39 in Ezekiel. So studying the scriptures, I presented the fact that it seems to me that this Ezekiel War is in close proximity to the rapture of the church and the beginning of the tribulation. Cannot say with precision exactly, 
But it does seem to me that uh, as the war quickly comes to an end, it does seem to me that the message that goes out is not this of what the prophet wrote, spoke. It seems to me that the most equipped of God's people at that point in time would be the church to give that message and then the church removed out of the way. It also very, it's also clear to me that that war serves to introduce the tribulation because that war apparently, according to Daniel anyway, is what catapults the Antichrist onto the world scene with a peace plan. And he signs this peace treaty obviously representing the world powers that still existed that day with Israel, seven years. But then we come to both Daniel and the Revelation and, and, and Matthew 24, the, the Olivet Discourse. He breaks the treaty in the middle of the seven years. So in three and a half years, and even to the day, the Bible tells how many days it is, exactly three and a half years, having permitted the Jews to have rebuilt their temple on the Temple Mount at the beginning of the tribulation, and they were very happy and very acceptable of what the Antichrist is doing for them. And so they, they restore their temple worship. But at the middle point of the tribulation in three and a half years, let me back up. During those three and a half years, a false religious system will have developed. So that is what we saw in the Revelation 17, this, this religious system that, that served the purposes of the Antichrist, that served the purposes of the dragon and the false prophet. But once he reaches a, the pinnacle of having been energized by Satan, apparently from what appears to be a resurrection from a deadly wound and all that. He comes back in the second half of the tribulation as, as, a, as an all-powerful monster. He is practically the embodiment of Satan himself. And at the midpoint of three and a half years, he sees fit to set himself up as God. He goes into the temple, declares that he is God, and thus the Bible calls him at that point the abomination of desolation. Also at that point is when he destroys false religion. And we saw that in the Revelation. Uh, the woman riding the beast until she was murdered, killed, torn up, devoured and all that good stuff. So here we are in the, in the latter part of the, tri uh, the tribulation, no longer needing a world religious system he is the religious system, the Antichrist. They worship, they worship the beast and they worship the dragon, who is Satan. So the world is filled with uh, satanic worship. And you know, there's a lot of Satan worship today. I see it. I read about it all the time in the news. That's just a, a precursor to what grips the earth dwellers of that day. And now, having established himself as God, the Antichrist grips the world in his power through a political 
and economic system. We're going to learn that this system has been around a long time and it has been used by rulers and leaders of the world in the times of the Gentiles, but will never come to a concentration and a pinnacle of power over men like it will under the leadership of the Antichrist. With all of that as a backdrop, here we go. After these things, okay, this, is, this takes us then into the last part of the tribulation. After the destruction of mystery Babylon, the false religious system of the world, Antichrist doesn't need it anymore. I saw another angel descending out of heaven, having great authority. Now that means he's coming forth from the throne of God. As a matter of fact, the glory of God is, is even still reflected on his face because it says he has great authority and the earth was illuminated from his glory. Now back in, uh, back in the fifth trumpet, the fifth trumpet. Anyway, the kingdom of the Antichrist was darkened. And in that darkness, here comes this, here comes this angel illuminating the earth with a reflected glory having just coming from the presence of God. And he cried out in a mighty voice saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And she has become a habitation of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean bird and a prison of every unclean and hated creature. Now those, the sum of those descriptions there depict how in various parts of the scripture demons are depicted. So Babylon the Great has become a habitation of demons, such that they're actually imprisoned there. This is a city. We're going to see in the course of this the text in this chapter that Babylon, mystery Babylon, was a religion. Babylon the Great is a city. Now, if it's, if it's uh, spiritually called Babylon a city, it doesn't say. Is it some great city that exists today? Or is it a city that uh, the Antichrist takes as his headquarters for political and economic power, the center of his power? Regardless, it's a city. And the city becomes inhabited such that with demons, such that every unclean spirit, you see that? Every unclean bird, every unclean and hated creature 
Every kind of demon, all of the demons now, and now understand too, we are at the end, we're at the end of all this and everything's coming rapidly to a close. It's as though God has imprisoned the demons in this city. Now I'd hate to live there. Knowing that every demon, every fallen evil spirit ever known, ever created, who ever existed, are all concentrated in this one place. But that's what's said here. And since they're imprisoned, it tells me they can't leave. So it's the purpose of God for them to be active with all of their so-called talents and abilities, to be active through what happens in the city Babylon. So then, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her sexual immorality. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her And the merchants of the earth have been enriched through the power of her sensuality. Now, I want you to notice two two categories of, of people here. Kings and merchants. This whole thing, this whole system of controlling people via political means, economically, starts back at the Tower of Babel. The first thing they had to do is they had to make themselves their own deity. They could not submit to God and do what they were going to do. So this is... uh, this is the, the, the foreshadowing by the name of the city and going back to the name of where it all started. This is the foreshadowing when you, when you kick God out of your life and you begin to make yourself a name of deity the way that you see fit. Uh, then apparently how that works on planet Earth is it works through politics and economics of the Gentile world. Okay, so you keep that in mind. Kings and merchants. Now all of the, all of the political power and the economic power concentrated in this city completely controlled by demons. Seems like we have cities like that now, doesn't it? It is a sufficient teaching for us, however, to recognize how active demons are, especially in concentrations of political power and in concentrations of high numbers of people, a population. And they just grip everything. And so economic power is closely associated to political power and vice versa. 
Acts chapter 19, I think, Paul is preaching the gospel. It's in Ephesians. I mean, it's, he's in Ephesus to the Ephesians. And people are so gripped by the gospel. Coming to Christ and being saved. That they forsake their pagan religion. That costs the merchants of the city a lot of money. Because they made their living in Ephesus. Making trinkets and doing things in honor of either, it's either Diana or Artemis. It's according to what translation you want to use. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So there was a riot. You, you may recall from reading Acts 19. And Paul was just going to be killed. This riot started. And the politicians had to step in. The, lead, the leaders, political leaders. So you see this kind of thing all the way through the scriptures in the times of the Gentiles. The, the, the close alliance of kings and merchants. Merchants know what to do to enrich people. And that's very important to kings who want to become enriched. We live in a day where people question how politicians can go and be representatives or senators or whatever on a, on a, a certain scale of a salary and just in a few years be among the wealthiest people in the nation. You know, people ask that, I see it all the time. How is it that you went into Congress and you were just a lawyer, maybe worth $800,000, but now, now 20 years later and two and a half, three terms, three and a half terms later as a senator, you're worth $80 million. How did that happen? Well, here it is. It's no big secret. There is an alliance between the kings and the merchants. It's always been that way. It'll always be that way until then. So it says that uh, the nations became drunk of the wine of the wrath of her sexual immorality. Well, let's just talk about this for a minute. This guy, Epstein, killed himself. And then, I don't know the woman's name, but his woman now is arrested. When they go to his private island, they discover some very disturbing portraits of men who had served as world leaders. Today I saw a picture that was taken 
of a, and she's one of them who has come out and has, um, she's exposing all that happened to her as a 14 year old girl on that island. But this picture was taken, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, whatever. And a certain former president was being massaged and, and rubbed on by a 14-year-old girl. Today, there is an active movement to make pedophilia an acceptable sexual behavior. To fit it in there with the L's and the G's and the B's and the T's and the Q's. I read, I have read the stories of world leaders throughout history. I've read the stories of American presidents who were unfaithful to their wives. Not just in the modern era, but I'm talking about way on, on back. Judges, senators, you, 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 know, you, you get where I'm, you see where I'm headed with this. Drunk, drunk of the wine of the wrath of her sexual immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her. Now the, the religion has already been destroyed. That's chapter, that's Revelation 17. Some would say, well, this is spiritual prostitution. But, but is it really? It's pretty plain here in the language that's given. That some dark, dark things happen in the highest levels. I've told you for years since I've been here that Baal worship and paganism in general, but especially the, the Old Testament idols and, and false gods, they were fertility cults which glorified and deified human sexual behavior. So here the Lord is bringing it all into account and it is joined to the merchants of the earth who can enrich people through the power of her sensuality. This is, the context here is, is the destruction of the political slash economic system of the world that will have robbed men of their souls to worship mammon. The Antichrist, having brought all other kings, lesser kings in the world, lesser leaders than him, and all of the merchants of the earth under his power to use what they do to strengthen his position of absolute leadership over the people of the world, the earth dwellers. Such that people get to a point 
that they, they cannot imagine life without all that the city of Babylon gives them. Think about us today. Where would we be if we didn't have any more luxuries? If all of the, you know, if uh, I'm not accusing anybody of being or any company of being spiritually evil. I'm just asking a question. What if I couldn't have a Diet Coke anymore? I don't know. My head might fall off. I don't know. What if all the Walmarts just closed and all the Dollar Generals or Dollars General, whatever the plural that is, if they just all closed down? What if it turned off all the lights and no more water coming through anything? These luxuries of life, what if, what if there weren't any more of them? Well, if you can increase that to a higher level of partying and fun, you know, now this is the gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it. But do you see where this angel came out? And he cried out with a mighty voice. I hear in my ears coming from within the temple of heaven. Turn out the lights. The party's over. That's what I hear. Because the party in the world is over. We can see things today about how people Spend their time. They, their, their spare time, they go, they go clubbing, they go drinking, you know, they just do all kind of wild stuff. They're just fornicating and committing adultery left and right. It's just like it's, now, that, that reaches a high point, especially when the church is taken out of the way. Drunk of the wine of the wrath of her sexual immorality and the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have been enriched through the power of her sensuality because they're giving people what they want and it's everything except God. It's everything anti-God. It's everything anti-Christ. It's everything anti-Bible. And so... Through their sorcery, their pharmakeia, their, their drug enchantments that lead them into some other kind of consciousness. And through their fornications and sexual immoralities and drunkenness and all the other things that are listed. They are addicted to the power of the Antichrist and what he can provide the world through the other lesser kings and through the merchants of the earth. And this continues to enrich both categories. I heard another voice from heaven saying, this is, this is God. This is not an angel. Come out of her, my people, so that you may not have fellowship in her sins. And so that you may not receive of her plagues. For her sins have been heaped as high as heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. 
That's an interesting word there. Ekelethesen, have been heaped, comes from a root that speaks, that is generally used in construction of stacking or piling bricks. Now, here's what I think. I think it is a, I think it is a direct reference back to the Tower of Babel. They had bricks that they made themselves, mortar that they mixed for themselves, and they were building this tower. God remembers how it all started. Heaped as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. What started at the Tower of Babel, remember Genesis, I think it's Genesis 10, 10. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Babel. No end to it. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, is the head of the, of the empires that are yet to come. He's the first one and everything is transferred down to the rest of them in the times of the Gentiles. But the times of the Gentiles, having accepted all of this this godless worldliness and chasing after it the way they've done through the millennia. Now, her sins have been heaped as high as heaven. She built something up to heaven, all right, but it wasn't a tower so that she might get in. It was a stench of iniquity that she might be judged. And God has remembered her iniquities. The things that have plagued and gripped and vexed the souls of righteous people. So here it is. Come out of her, my people. This is like Lot in Sodom. So that you may not have fellowship in her sins and not receive of her plagues because her time is over. Now there's nothing wrong with good, clean, hard work, of course. And it is as Paul said, if a man doesn't work, neither shall he eat. But it is a, a sin against God when the whole of life is invested in the making of money and the control of men. That's a problem. Because we live under a golden rule and we live under a certain set of principles and standards and we can't treat people the way that these merchants and kings treat people. We can't do it. We're restrained by the Holy Spirit of God. And there are certain things that we won't do when it comes to work or employment or whatever. Because we are restrained. And we know how high the iniquities have piled. Even to heaven. So here's the great call. The great warning of God probably for all ages. But especially for whoever had been saved. And would still for some reason be in or around this city. Come out of her. She's about to catch it. And those of course who were his people. Would follow his voice.
Give back to her as she also has rendered and pay back double to her twofold according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double to her. Anything, and of course it, 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 will, it includes the blood of prophets and it includes the blood of saints and all. Whatever she has done to pervert the world will be done twice as much to her. She has glorified herself so much and lived in luxury. Give as much torment and misery to her because in her heart she says, I sit as a queen. I am never a widow and I shall never see grieving or mourning. I'll never be sorry. I will always be in control. I will, I will never be a helpless widow. I'm a queen and I'm in charge. So her job is to glorify herself and live in luxury. Because of this, in one day, her plagues will come. Death and misery and famine. And she will be burned up with fire. Because mighty is the Lord God, having judged her. We'll, we'll stop there and pick it up there next time and we'll see how the world has, will react to the judgment of God on the political and economic system of the world. But right now we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.